Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey everyone, don't forget that this Friday, September 2nd at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is the fourth episode of The Last Stream on the Left. Remember, the more you guys that watch live, the more it helps us out. Just go to adultswim.com slash stream at 7.30 p.m. Eastern this Friday, September 2nd. Now please, enjoy the Menendez Brothers Part 2. There's no place to escape to. This is The Last Podcast. On the left. <laughs> There's nothing sexier than two Cuban boys just rolling around each other like a couple of snakes with fucking sombreros on. Cubans don't wear sombreros, no. right? I don't mean to be racist. I just don't know. Yes, I don't believe that's part of the Cuban culture. Do they do have a ceremonial hat? <laughs> Doesn't every culture have a ceremonial well, hat? The Cuban has that, that nice brimmed hat that goes well with a cigar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the Cubano. Or, or Cubano's che- a cigar. Or the Che Guevara hat that so, makes you look like you're a, a socialist. That's a beret. Yes. But that's if that's how you say beret in Spanish. But in French, it's bleh. <laughs> I don't know. It's a pancake hat. It, yes, that's what they're called. All right, welcome to the show. Uh, I am Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. Uh, with us as always, who is he? I am <laughs> cultural ambassador Henry Zabrowski. <laughs> wow. And the American, I will say the American ceremonial hat is the beer helmet. Oh, exciting. <laughs> I was wishing, I was hoping it was the Wisconsin cheese head. No, no, mm. no, no. That's You cannot say that actually legally on the show because it's what? been branded by the Packers. What? I can say it. Branding I- is big now. <laughs> oh, my God. They own the cheese hat. No yeah. one else can have a cheese hat now because of your people. <laughs> oh, leave them alone. <laughs> All right. Well, we are on part two of the Menendez brothers, and I guess it just gets uh, more disgusting from here. It huh? definitely gets weirder from here. It's a very funny story. If you you take out the object sessions, it's a very funny story. The the two people deceased, murdered by their children. Oh, they were pieces of shit. I mean, they kind of had it coming. You can't really say that they... I mean, you know. I will say, I have a small inside source. Our friend Dave, who designed the uh, many logos for KF Comedy Radio, his sister has a friend who grew up next to the Menendez uh, family, and the mother used to give her a lot of orange juice. So she was a good mom, and she used to give a lot of orange juice to children. What she's doing with all this extra orange juice? What, are they made out of money? I have no idea. She's squeezing the oranges herself. I don't know. She was bored. So when we last left the Menendez brothers, they had murdered their parents in cold blood. And when the police arrived on the murder scene, Eric and Lyle continued the histrionics that they had displayed.
displayed previously in the 911 call. Eric, mm. shut up! <laughs> Eric, shut up! I'm on the phone, Eric! <laughs> I love that bit where he's going, shut up, I'm trying to... Yeah, Elliot Rogers or these guys, who is more obnoxious as a human being? Oh, Elliot Rogers. Elliot yeah. Rogers because okay. of, the, of the YouTube channel. Yeah, can yeah. you imagine if the Menendez brothers did have YouTube? I don't think they would have killed their parents, quite frankly. I honestly think they would have had a... They, they, their YouTube channel would have probably been somewhere in the two to 3,000 range. It would have been them talking about their watches yes. and their natural <laughs> Vs that they got from... T- Constantly playing tennis. Years of physical abuse. Yeah, well, those histrionics were so convincing that the detective on the scene didn't even check their hands for shotgun blast residue, Mm. which is pretty standard practice in cases like these. Assholes. Yeah, because, of course, Mm. you know, when you have someone that comes on the scene, you know, there's these two guys are the first ones that find the family. Uh, Of course, it's just you're just going to check it for shotgun blast residue. And if that detective would have done that, Mm -hmm. then the Menendez brothers would have been arrested immediately. Well, apparently Mm. they went to a big extent to... We're going to find out after they shot them, they went to the guest house, stripped off all their clothes, and took showers first. I imagine together. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you want to save water. Absolutely. That's actually environmental uh, of them. And you want to do penis kisses. <laughs> oh, you know, that, you and your brothers. That's true. So the first indication that the cops had that something might be a little odd here was when the brothers showed back up at the murder scene of their parents at 5.30 a.m. the mm. next morning to see if they could go inside and get their tennis rackets. Well, they wanted to play, and to some degree, this would probably make their father proud. You know, even you if you right kill us, even, yes, you go back to practice. Even if you blow my brains out with a shotgun, you practice the next day. Oh, uh, and I guess it would also be true. They're like, we're grieving. This is right. about grief. And I, I got to say, because it, it comes down to, I got to work on my short game. Yes, I also wish, you remember those Canon Andre Agassi videos? The yeah. uh, the commercials were the picture. Just want to see them shoot their parents and then. Spattered <laughs> with blood, playing with the rebel camera. Yeah, yeah great camera. So two memorial services were held for Jose and Kitty, one in Princeton, New Jersey, where the family had lived previous, and one in Los Angeles paid for by live entertainment to try to dispel all of the mob connection rumors that were swirling around. Also, they made a, they had just made a gigantic deal. Like, right before Jose was murdered, he was working on, uh, they had received the distribution rights of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon series, and they were sh- shipping out the VHSs. So if you had gotten the season, like the special highlight, videos mm-hmm. of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles I, back in the day in I, 1988, yeah. you paid him money. <laughs> really? I guarantee yeah. you that I did. Yeah, yes. he was actually on television. I saw a television interview with him where he had the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles tape. Uh, like it was wow. the uh, the animated one. We all gave Jose Menendez money. We're complicit. I kind of love him now when they should have never shot his brains out. <laughs> but literally what he said is like, we here at live entertainment. Oh, oh. <laughs> what we do every time is we we give the people what they want. They have you ever heard a Cuban? Cuban is... <laughs> I just don't understand the difference. There's a huge, there's, I know that uh, Espanol, if you're from Spain, you talk like this. <laughs> Castilian. And Cuban is like... That's getting there. Yeah, that's right? close. Yes. Okay, cool. Thank you. The, the club. What's the one with the... They got the saxophones with the clarinets. Uh, Copacabana? Yep. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> so what we've got here uh, is an interview that Eric did after one of these memorial services. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, never will see anything like it. Probably the hardest thing I probably ever had to. They weren't real. They didn't. Yeah. They, they wax. They look like yeah. wax. It was, it's, it's something that I've never seen my dad help us. You know, I think that possibly if Lau and I would have been home, if we would have been able to do something about it, maybe. Uh, 
maybe my dad would be alive. Um, I definitely would give my life for my dad's. It's I would give that lie a six point four. <laughs> yeah, that's got he's got four Pinocchios on that one. Not good. So just three days after the murder, the spending spree began. In the first six months following their parents' death, Eric and Lyle spent around a million bucks of their dead father's money, and about mm. seven hundred thousand of that was just in the first few weeks. And to flaunt it even more, they even drove around Los Angeles in their dead mother's car. Nothing makes a girl wet. Better than seeing a guy driving around in his dead mom's car. Oh yeah, that is really this that's is my dead material. mother's car right here. Oh yeah, you like it? Like, my mom's warm bottom sometimes sat in this driver's seat, and sometimes she sat in the passenger seat if I was driving her to the pharmacy to get her medication. You know, Wendy, I never really liked Lyle before. I didn't think he was really hot, but something about him has changed. You could still smell her bottom in here. Oh wow. Of course, these guys are spending all this money, but they had to do something with their lives eventually. See, Lyle had always dreamed of owning a restaurant. Everybody who wants to own a restaurant always says, I always wanted to have a restaurant. You have no clue how difficult it is to own a restaurant. You are guaranteed to lose money in the first Mm -hmm. couple of years of owning the business. And that's if you're a chef, Mm -hmm. like a professional chef. And then Gordon Ramsay has to show up, and your your restaurant is deemed he a nightmare. Dresses you down, and he yeah. fingers two or three your waitresses. They have to be immediately hushed up, and that takes cash to give them that money. That would be now. That's the reality show Gordon Ramsay needs to have. Him going from waitress to waitress, paying them off, and the various things they have to do in order to earn the money for him to pay them, so that they don't tell the media how he finger banged them like they were a fucking ventriloquist dummy. Sold. Why don't we say this whenever whenever we go to pitch a show? Why why are we pitching this show? I gave you it's called Gordon's uh, Finger Puppets. Yeah, Gordon, Gordon's Nasty Chicken. <laughs> Gordon's Nasty Chicken. You want Gordon's Nasty Chicken. Okay. So, yeah, Lyle, he had this whole restaurant dream. So he went back to Princeton, New Jersey, and he tried to buy a pizza joint called Teresa's, but he somehow managed to offend the owner in the process of buying the business, and the owner refused to sell. Although we have no idea what he actually did to offend the owner. Uh, I imagine that he, it's his entire demeanor. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally just show up and be like, excuse me, I'm sorry, I would love to buy your pizza place, but my belt buckle's too shiny, actually. I'm I'm literally blinding myself <laughs> just standing here. Turn these lights down, you're a bitch. <laughs> Probably went something like that. Well, after he was uh, refused at Teresa's Pizza, he settled for a buffalo wing spot named Chuck's Spring Street Cafe and renamed it more appropriately, but idiotically because it destroyed the reputation Chuck's had built over the years, he renamed it Mr. Buffalo's. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. I actually, I always end up siding with one of these sociopaths at some point. I gotta say, Mr. Buffalo's is a hell of a name. Mr. I'm, Buffalo's, where are we coming here for? All right, Chuck's, it sounds like we're going to this restaurant to buy vomit. It's called Mr. Mr. Buffalo's. Because again, yeah. you treat a man named Buffalo with respect, you call him Mr. You have to. They have a bucket of beer for seven bucks on Tuesdays. I mean, I love Mr. Buffalo's. My problem is you can't just be some rich boy from Beverly Hills who shows up decides decides to buy a buffalo chicken wing fucking restaurant. You need to be named called. You have to be like Rodney. Needs <laughs> yeah. to be your name. You need to be Eddie. Yeah, yeah Eddie's yeah. Eddie's a perfect name for a restaurant. Yeah. So uh, for Eric's part, 
Instead of buying a restaurant, Eric continued on the path of the tennis player. He hired a private coach for $60,000 a year and began to buy his way into professional tournaments, specifically tournaments in Israel. Interesting. I wonder why. In Israel, yeah, it is weird. Like, we yeah. don't actually know why it was Israel. But Do they yeah. have, like, a pay-to-play system over there kind of thing? They're literally maybe. just buying their way into tournaments because he wasn't good enough. No. And so uh, maybe, and that's also so fucked up, that that's how deep Jose's programming got into him, that he continued to keep this fucking lie alive that like mm-hmm. he was going to be a professional tennis player. Yeah. It is all, it is all lies. Yeah. What money can uh, allow people to uh, to make believe? It's great. All he was doing. <laughs> it is just yeah. fantastic what it can do for you. I'm, I can't wait. Whenever I get a lot of money, I'm going to tell everyone I'm 5'10". I'm just be like, no, that's the truth now. Yeah, you just walk around. You just have like, you're like dwarf and you got sneakers on your knees. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, what's the weather up there? And I'll be like, it's the same as where you are because I'm the same size as you. You are, you short man. Yes. <laughs> well, speaking of the money, the boys, of course, never forgot about the inheritance because it's this point, all this money they're spending, this is just out of Jose's life insurance policy. So the boys brought in two different, quote-unquote, computer experts to come in and wipe the hard drive of the family's computer, fearing that it might contain a different will that would either cut them out completely or give even just a little bit of the money to somebody besides them. Because that's apparently yeah. one of the re- one of the triggers, that the, re- the reason why they killed Jose is because he was threatening, threatening to cut them out of the will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And one of the computer experts that came through and wiped the hard drive, one of them said that the entire experience just made his skin crawl. Ooh, and these are computer guys. They're they're <laughs> creepier than anybody else. They're literally human snails. Yeah. <laughs> so while Lyle knew how to keep his mouth shut, it was just a part of Eric's personality to talk about every single detail of his life, according to family members, and that would, of course, apply to the murders. You mean an mm. intention whore? The two of yeah. them were both. They, they just loved to talk about this crap. They talk about like they just they couldn't keep their mouth shut. Eric mm-hmm. was a born actor. But he just had everything but skill. He had all the bad facts. <laughs> just a liar. So being yes, yes. What yes. I mean, and, and I'm sure we'll get into it. But this whole time, this whole spending spree. I mean, they have to have eyes all over them. People yeah. have to be like, "This yeah. is a little suspicious." Well, right? Was, the cops were trailing them because they were building the case against them. They pretty much knew that once you saw the nature of the crime, and you saw mm-hmm. how, like, because they said it was obviously a murder of passion. The boys' first thing that came out is said, "The mob must have done it. They had to have done it." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "No, the mob normally will either take you out to a like a weird location and put two in the." back of your head, right. roll you in a fucking tarp and hide the body. They don't just bust in your house and blow you up like it's fucking okay corral. They obviously, yeah. there's an emotional d- attachment to these crimes. Yeah, they make you a carpet burrito. And they're also <laughs> bad liars. The, the Menendez brothers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, the first confession came only 12 days after the murders when Eric made the confession we mentioned in the last episode to his screenwriting buddy Craig. The two of them were playing chess. Eric asked Craig very nonchalantly, you want to know how he did it? He told Craig, and then the two just went right back to playing chess. If you're Craig, the answer is no, and then you slowly stand up and walk out of the room backwards. Never hear a confession. Never hear no. a confession, and don't break eye contact. No, just you get just, out of the room. You're like, you know what? I'm good. But actually, you want to go to Mr. Buffalo's? Ooh, I, I love hear it. it's got the shittiest wings, but at the same time, the music's really loud. Yeah, that's great. No, well, there was no way that Craig was going to jump off the Menendez gravy train and turn him in. The next confession that Eric made would be the one that would lead them straight to jail. 
on Halloween 1989, about two months after the murders, Eric showed up at the office of his in-law psychologist, L. Jerome Ozeal. What is really unfortunate mm-hmm. is that Eric showed up in his Halloween costume, which <laughs> was a male version of Wonder Woman. Oh, and that's how he puts it. He's like, it's like Wonder Man. I'm Wonder Man, but I still have the jaunty corset. I don't, uh, I just don't get it. I don't. I'm Wonder I, Man. I, I, I will kill you just, like just, I killed my parents. Wh- what? Hold on, hold on. You're, you're Wonder Man. You can are I, Wonder Man. You can are... I get a mulligan? Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so he joined up with L. Actually, by law, if you do confess to a crime to a police officer, you are allowed one mulligan. You get one mulligan, <laughs> legally. Let him, let him know. Um, and so, yes, he was involved with their, their therapist that was handpicked by Jose in order to get all of the secrets that the boys had from him. So, mm. basically, this was a crooked... Beverly Hills therapist right. that was easily purchasable and it was already fucking three of his patients. Yeah, he was fucking three of his patients. He eventually got his license pulled. This guy was a real piece of shit. He's like the dad from the hand that rocks the cradle. Do you remember that? Ooh, and then what? Rebecca De Mornay Rebecca had to go De- murder his whole family. I just remember her breasts in that film. Oh my god. <laughs> that was one of the first times I ever realized I was straight. Rebecca <laughs> De Mornay. I was like, I like that. I like it. I like that she's got fleshy tops and she's got fleshy bottoms. <laughs> that is it's I also mean. the only movie I've ever masturbated to with the word cradle in the title. <laughs> oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> no, Ozil said that on the day Eric confessed, he showed up at the office agitated, depressed, and suicidal after seeing photographs of the crime scene. Do you have a closet that I could put my lasso of truth in? (laughs) It's a lasso of truth that makes people say the truth, so let me just... Put it over myself. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> he asked Ozil to take a walk, and as they were about to go back into the office, Eric leaned against a parking meter and said, We did it. We did it. Of course he leaned against a parking meter. Dramatically. It's such a douchey fucking way to confess to a murder. What I like about the BBC documentary we watched about the Menendez brothers too is that the, the guy's like, and this very block is the block that they walked and each block, if you don't know, has four sides to it and a corner. So around one of these corners, Eric Menendez himself was contemplating the confession. The British love those details. Uh, in the ensuing confession back in the office, Eric told Ozeal that the two brothers had gotten the whole idea from a movie which ran on NBC just three weeks prior called The Billionaire Boys Club. Good. And which is also a wonderful Bukaki film. Yes, of course. Uh, if you want to check that out. Billionaire Man's House <laughs> is the sequel. Yes. These kids are really something special. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. They would be possessed to murder from a made-for-TV movie. Yeah. They are made. They, this was the perfect 90s crime. Yeah. Because all the ins and outs, it's so right. much fun. We're going to see, like, and this therapist is fucking Steve Brule in the <laughs> right. middle of this. He's literally like a fucking, uh, what's his name, George from Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a character it's... that would be played by him. Right, <laughs> napping underneath his desk. Yeah, during, like a yeah. ludicrous human being that is <laughs> right. a part of this. Be- Beverly Hills is the, a cesspool of America. So the double murders that the brothers committed were almost a straight copycat of the plot of Billionaire Boys Club, even down to what they did after the murders. The plot of the film involved a group of Beverly Hills teens who murder two people, one of which was a billionaire boy's father. And in the movie, one of the victims was shot in the back of the head, just like Jose had been. The boys club used a movie as their alibi, just as the brothers had. And one of the billionaire boys had driven a Jeep. One of Eric's first purchases after the insurance policy came in was 
a Jeep. Yeah, that's like after the, the Back to the Future fucking anniversary and a bunch of people oh. go out buying DeLoreans. Yeah, so they can't get out of their car in a Walmart parking lot because the door's open like a jackass. It'll get ruined. Now, in a bit of twisted irony, which this case is full of, Billionaire Boys Club was distributed by Live Entertainment, the very company that Jose was serving as CEO at the time of the murders and the source of the Menendez family's great wealth. That's how lazy they were. This is just proof of how right Jose was to be mad at them. I agree. <laughs> they with literally them. just came up with the plot for the murder from VHS movie that from a VHS movie. It's piles of VHSs of a movie that were just sitting in their father's office. They didn't even have to try hard to come up with the plan for no. the murder. And as far as to why their mother Kitty had to be killed, Eric said they just couldn't figure out a way to kill Jose without killing Kitty. And besides, she was so in love with them that she wouldn't be able to live without him anyway. So they were actually doing her kind of a favor. They did a her a favor. Yeah. It's really sweet uh, of them. Sort of an um Shinrikyo again type logic. Yeah. Releasing so, her from pain or something. Yeah, it, that's exactly what they were thinking. And in contrast to what Eric told his buddy Craig, Eric told Ozeal that he was the one who entered the room first, not Lyle, and started shooting. That I, was probably to protect Lyle. Probably. Eric is in mm. love with Lyle. He will do anything it takes to take care of Lyle. Of course. And so that was mm. his way to sort of like put me in like make him the aggressor out of nowhere. Mm. Right. And when the mother hadn't died from the initial shots, this is another thing that he had left out of a story to Craig. When the mother hadn't died immediately, both of them went outside to get more shells, came back in and shot her three more times. It's always the people you least uh, expect that, that survive the longest. Yeah. She was stronger than we gave her credit for this whole time. And what I don't want anybody to really take this advice, but at the same time take this advice, if you're going to kill your parents, pull out the gas line, blow up the house. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of work, though. That's then, what I'm saying. Then don't you, do it right. But then your house is also blown up and all your goodies that were inside of it are so gone. So now you get life insurance and house insurance. Okay. <laughs> Again, that is this is a satire show. That's a satire <laughs> show. That's that. certainly not wink, 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 real advice. Wink, wink, wink. <laughs> Absolutely not. Disregard those winks. The winks are satire. Winks are also satire. I am not a lawyer. You know what? <laughs> We're giving you a mulligan. Uh, thank you. <laughs> the only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast? Your dog. <laughs> that was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You pet your dog. You're going to learn about Bark. It's the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay! Every month, Bark Box designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers! My dogs love their toys selectively. But BarkBox sends good little ones for their little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats. And, oh, they love their life. And they love the, They love what BarkBox brings. Because BarkBox brings the bark and puts it in a box. Yep. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? 
She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do, and the memories keep cycling, and I get emotional, and we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy, and that is not sad. That is celebratory, so you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, I fight to set my child up for success, which is why, as I sit and read Carmi and Wendy Dune, trying to explain to them the concepts of the savior complex not working, doubling back on itself, the concept of what does it mean to be a living God? What are those limitations? What are those expectations? And honestly, I know they just want chicken. But there are kids out there that need this type of direct help. And IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them understand and master topics in a fun way. Not unlike me, reading children, Dune Messiah, getting to about 365, seeing where they're at. See if they understand anything. There's no more grading these worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. You can't even believe it! You don't want to make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast in the left listeners could get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash left to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Of course, Eric's confession didn't go down well with Lyle. Two days later, on November 2nd, Lyle showed up at Ozil's office with Eric and threatened to kill the therapist if he told anyone. He Lyle was screaming now that he was going to kill anybody that Eric had talked to over the last couple of days. Right. Lyle was going nuts, and basically it's because you're going to take away his livelihood. I don't even think he cared about going to jail, because I don't no. think he thought that that was even an option. He just yeah. assumed once you're rich, you can buy your way out of anything, and he's actually both Right. Totally correct. I mean, he's also really busy figuring out Wednesday's wing special at Mr. Buffalo. He's just like, <laughs> I've got a new garlic Alfredo chicken wing coming oh. out, and we we are running out of napkins. It's it called the Italian dickhead? What is that? Yeah. <laughs> That's a fabulous name. That, well, I was, I was joking. The Italian dish. Well, oh, right. Well, that, that's on the menu. Repaint the signs. <laughs> but even after Lyle came in, got all pissed off, said that he was going to kill Dr. Ozil, he still couldn't help but confess just a little bit himself mm. on both the November 2nd session and a later session in December. He said that they had committed the perfect crime, something that the Billionaire Boys Club had also boasted about. He also said that their dad would have actually been proud 
proud of them for pulling this off. No, you still went to jail, dickhead. Yeah. No, this was before they went to jail. Sure. But this is not even close to the perfect crime. The perfect crime would be like them on camera being like, if you know where my parents are, please let us know. Everyone knows exactly what happened. The perfect crime would be disposing of the bodies with no one understanding where they possibly went. And then all of a sudden, your sympathy. You, See? You, are, you, See? you are given sympathy. And that's not actual legal advice. That's not advice. Just, this is a satire show. I'm just saying, again, I mean, that could really work, but wink, wink, wink. Not really. You know what I'm saying? Well, the mob does it right with the human burrito. <laughs> no, when Ozil asked Lal if he missed his parents, Lal said, quote, I miss having these people around. I miss not having my dog around. Uh, if, I, if I could make such a gross analogy. <laughs> I don't. Somebody fucking shoot you. Okay. <laughs> That's fun. But what the brothers didn't know was that not only was Ozil taping all their sessions, but he had also asked his girlfriend at the time, a Miss Judalon Smith, to listen in on the sessions hmm. outside the door. This is just fucking like a farce. It's a, it's a comedy <laughs> film. He's yeah. literally fucking three of his patients. The number one mistress that he's fucking right now, he asked to listen because now that they've already confessed one time, he knows they're going to come back in the office and he's trying to cover his ass and basically said to her, it's being like, you'll protect me. You're right. going to sit outside the door. You're going to listen in. And then if anything goes wrong, you call the police. Meanwhile, she then finds out that he's fucking two other of his patients and now he's completely just never, down shit's creep. Never <laughs> record yourself. No. Just learn from Nixon. Of course, we're, we're doing a podcast yeah, right now. Uh, yes. uh, so yeah, that's exactly what happened. She listened in on the crimes and Ozil, he never went to the police with these confessions, either, even after Lyle had threatened his life. Because but, he offered to set up their whole defense. As they were going through this, he right. said, he's like, no, listen, 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 I'm your therapist. I'm going to tell everybody that you're sociopaths and that you couldn't control yourself and that you didn't know the difference between right and wrong. And mm. I will be there making sure that happens for you. I mean, it's serious question. Uh, don't, do they have to tell the police if somebody confesses a crime to them? I mean, isn't there some uh, patient uh, confidentiality? No, they only have to They only have to tell the police if there is a future possibilities yes. of a crime. I if see. there's, if the therapist or the doctor believes that they will commit a crime in the future, then uh, the patient uh, patient doctor confidentiality is breached and mm. they can report anything. You also life. get the same thing when you talk to a priest, but at the same time the priest can then say, well, then I'm going to invoice you one, you suck my penis. <laughs> oh, that's correct. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. And so this uh, ex-girlfriend, she got super pissed off at Ozil and decided that the best way to get back at him would be to go to the police and tell them everything she knew about the Menendez brothers. And then Lyle was picked up on his way to the Cheesecake Factory <laughs> in his neon yellow Jeep. Between Chris Farley and Lyle, they both like the Cheesecake Factory and they both had terrible kind of lives there. God. We, see, my family swore off the Cheesecake Factory because as my mom said, that cake is dry. That's <laughs> yes. that Because it's extremely unhealthy and disgusting? No, it's dry. It wasn't sopping wet enough with buttermilk. <laughs> Yeah. So, so, yeah, Lyle was picked up on his way to the Cheesecake Factory. Eric was in Israel playing tennis at the time, and he flew home and was arrested as well. And that's where we had the God. tennis coach being like, and I told him, I was like, I'm going to use my tennis psychology. To, it's just like, what you got to do is get back on the offensive. And he was like <laughs> trying to stay on the payroll throughout this whole procedure. 
These Good. people, man. And These guys thing. are white trash yeah. with oh, money. Yeah. The Cheesecake Factory, you're multimillionaires. This is where you're going to go eat. They're all dickheads. And then all of the family jumps onto this bandwagon of trying to create their alibi of the molestations because they know if they don't, they're going to get cut out of the money. They have to keep the money in the family. Oh, my God. Yeah. So since the brothers had made detailed confessions on tape, they had no choice but to admit that they had actually killed their parents. The question for the defense... Why? Why did yeah. they kill their parents? What was the motivation? They took away our Sega Genesis. <laughs> I mean, it seems to me like the cops are at this point just like, just get away. We, they want them to get away with it, it seems like. The cops, I mean, don't you think they would have just been arrested immediately had they not been white, had they not been wealthy? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, right. yeah, yeah we're in white, though. Think about that. That's a weird race thing, right? Normally, you kind of, we've now assumed that they're white. They look sort of white. They've got light skin, but they are Spanish. Mm. They're just rich. I mean, and that just shows how rich you, what he can do for you. Yeah. Makes you white. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. So this right here is Eric on the stand during the trial answering the question of why they actually killed their parents. What do you believe was the originating cause of you and your brother ultimately winding up shooting your parents? Um, me telling You telling what? Me telling Lyle that, uh... You telling Lyle what? Was it you telling Lyle about something that was happening? My dad. Can I ask a leading question? Mm. My, if you don't uh, ask my dad. Good. Wait one second, Mr. Okay, let me no, ask. No, no, he was in the process of answering, so there's no need to ask him. Can you answer the question? Yes. Okay, it was you telling Lyle what? My dad had been molesting me. Molest! <laughs> Molest! Oh my God! I just, I just want Adam Sandler to stand up and be like, "Today, Junior." That's the thing. So now they're really playing it up. They're definitely playing it like how hard it was for him to say that they were molested because also they were a 21 year old and an 18 year old boy, both currently apparently being made love to by their father. I'm going to say made love. I don't to know why you would say that because of the emotions that were there. <laughs> it does sort of sound like he was getting sucked off by a father figure. Oh, my dad. Yeah, I do feel like the same audio could be played in one of those silverback movies I've heard about. Oh, yeah. Now, the entire defense was that the boys had killed their parents after years of sexual abuse on the part of both Jose and Kitty, but mostly at the hands of Jose. This is how they said the whole thing went down, how the murder actually happened. Now, as we mentioned in the first episode... Lyle had been wearing a toupee from the age of 14. Bald piece of shit. <laughs> God, his father just was fucking throwing combs out. Yeah. Buying combs just to throw them out. Right just to make him humiliated. That is, that is how you make a super villain. Yeah. <laughs> you can already see Lex Luthor wearing a toupee at 14. Now, Lyle always insisted that the toupees be made from 100% human hair, with his favorite piece being the Model 124X, which cost in the neighborhood of 15 
$1,500. It's called the brunette dickhead. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't want it to be 100% human eyes. <laughs> like and after, after I saw the pictures of Lyle, when they, everyone kept saying, you could not believe that this hairpiece was fake. It, it was just seamless. It's just a p- perfect head of hair. It looks like he's got a gerbil <laughs> trained sitting on his skull. You can see the line. $1,500. Yeah. That's the best they could do. It was top notch. That's top yeah. of the line. Yeah. And, you know, male toupees, they're not like women's wigs. You can't just pop them on your skull and go about your day. According to one of those Vanity Fair articles, a toupee involves elaborate preparations before the bathroom mirror and various means of attachment, such as glue, hooks, and lure locks. I mean, I gotta say, I have some sympathy for this poor 14-year-old going through the same makeup, the the same daily routine as a 94-year-old person who just a World War II vet. He's literally turning into Kevin Spacey from American Beauty, but he's 14 years old. Old. Yeah, and Lyle, in the words of one person who worked at uh, Lyle's hair clinic, he was, quote, consumed by his hair. <laughs> I kind of understand it. He got, yeah, of course. Maybe it's brutal. Just, it is brutal. It's got to be confusing. He finally got pubic hair, and then all the hair in his head is gone. Maybe he thought it just like went down there. I just feel like that. then it turns into a weird African folk tale of like, <laughs> and then the top pairs be scared by the furious winds and move to the down south. <laughs> Yeah, and Jose, uh, his best friend said that Jose talked about Lyle's hair all the time. He's like, Lyle's very worried about his hair. He's constantly worried about it. He's always talking about it. Of course he did, because the father also hates that he has a bald son. Because his fucking 14-year-old son looks like Darth Vader when he took off the mask. (laughs) So, in other words, Lyle's bald head, it was kind of an open secret. Of course everybody knew that Lyle had a bald head. But, despite all of this, despite all of this evidence... Eric and Lyle, who, as we said, were constantly up each other's asses, claimed that Eric never knew his brother wore a toupee. Mm. That's that's the thing about the toupee. I don't know what social agreement we've all decided to come up with here. When people have hair plugs or toupees, we're just supposed to go along with the lie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like when somebody loses their face in the war, and then you have to put like one of those weird plastic fake faces on there, and we all have to be like, looking good, Greg. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you're looking really good, huh? Thing, See, yeah. you can wear sunglasses Look at now. That. You can just say stuff like that, and you have to stay really positive. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and by the way, Christina, the psychology expert who definitely exists. Definitely exists. She sent me an email and said that it was highly unlikely that the brothers were fucking each other. But how did she that, say it? Yeah, no, that yeah. wasn't it Christina. Is, it's it's weird. highly unlikely that the brothers were engaging in sexual intercourse could, with one another. I could just see Carol. <laughs> I could just see Pickle Girlfriend knocking on the door being like, is the session over yet, Marcus? Can I come and to the bedroom again as you're oh, yes! <laughs> 14 more minutes to the email has been done with the composition um, that's great I mean you pickle were boyfriend I'm gonna leave yeah gotta go Henry you See were you what an wow the hours and hours of acting training that you've gone through Henry what do you think hundreds of hours I would say up to 12 hours well, of acting training and then Marcus has none but he's a better actor than you I mean it's just sometimes look at Lyle Lyle <laughs> wanted didn't even want to be an actor better actor than his brother Eric who wanted to be an actor there you go I don't want to be an actor at all Wow. Well, bye, Christina. Thanks for coming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She said that the guys, they loved each other as much as they could love anything. But a lot of times, narcissists, which these guys definitely were, they don't really equate sex with love. It's kind of like in Mm. uh, American Psycho when he is fucking the prostitute but looking at himself in the mirror. Mm. Yeah, exactly. But according to the brothers on 
the fateful day that kind of precipitated the entire murder, Kitty, in a fit of rage over God knows what, attacked Lyle and ripped the toupee off his head in front of Eric. Maybe somebody left the ShamWow in the dryer. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) And Eric, supposedly shocked at seeing the brother he looked up to so much, vulnerable and bald for the first time... (sighs) Decided it was time to open up himself. What is it? Like, what a really... You know how, like, you get into a feel-bad-for-yourself competition with people? People right. say it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I was late in the train because sub- someone pulled the emergency stop of the subway. It's just like, oh, well, I farted myself to sleep and I couldn't wake up on time. <laughs> and it's just, like, literally just being like, the only way to make your brother feel better about being bald is like, well, daddy's been fucking me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's yeah. what he told him. He said that he, he started telling his brother for the first time that their dad had been brutally molesting him since the age of 12. So about six years and mm. had continued to do so to that day. And well, do, we, of- do we know that that's not the reason why he has hair? You know, maybe, maybe the father's come was like a row game, <laughs> sort of the first row game. Yes, yes. I don't know. You see, also I find it very nice that Lyle, who couldn't really experience or express emotions very well, uh, put a little attachment to the top of his head that allowed him to spin the tope in order to show that he was surprised or shocked or sad. Yeah, he had the roll-up tie there too. He was, he was a fun kind of guy. And after the confession, Lyle confronted Jose, saying that he was never to touch Eric ever again. Daddy, next time you want to fuck something, buy a watermelon and cut a hole in it. (laughs) (laughs) And Jose said that Eric was his son and he could do whatever he wanted with him. I don't know if any of this is true. It's not. None of it is true. None of it is absolutely none of it's true. And after this confrontation, the brothers got it in their heads that their parents were going to kill him to keep the molestation a secret. And to prevent this from happening, the brothers all hopped up after a seemingly innocent fishing trip in which they claimed their parents were going to kill them in full view of Mm. the fishing boat's captain and the captain's girlfriend. They murdered their parents first. And that's what they talk about. The captain of this fishing trip, when they went, noticed that the parents were sitting alone on one side of the of the boat, and the boys are sitting in the front of the boat, pensive, standing there. And he was just like, I knew then that there was tension in the family. But actually, mm. that that was the day that they had went and bought the shotguns in San Diego and had come back and then went on the fishing trip. So literally, <laughs> they were just sitting there planning the murder yeah. on the boat. Well, yeah. I mean, then the captain was correct. And also, <laughs> as most hey, captains are. Jose's there pulling up Marlins being like, my fucking, my baldy son and my gay son won't go fishing. They're not doing anything. Yeah. I'm sitting here hauling in nets. I came here on from Cuba right. on a tire and I'm now a millionaire. Mm-hmm. I know. I feel bad for Jose. The more that we learn about the, uh, the about the family, Jose was right. Yeah, Jose was absolutely right. Those allegations of sexual abuse, all of this bullshit, they weren't introduced into evidence until 10 days before the trial actually began. By the time Mm. the trial actually started, the Menendez brothers had been in jail for two, three years. So they had Mm. been planning this defense for literally two and a half years, and they never mentioned being molested until it came time for for, uh, their... What is the name of their defense attorney? Very fat... Leslie Abramson. Yes, and she came out, and she was like quite the showman. If you actually watch the video of her opening statements, they are incredible. She is very, very good. But that's when they hit them with the molestation idea. No one had heard of that until they showed up, because they waited for the complete Mm -hmm. impact of the opening 
opening statement. Yeah, and in another bit of irony, molestation or no, it was Jose Menendez's fortune that paid for Lyle and Eric's top shelf defense team. Of course. Whew, that's gonna. That's a real blow. That's gonna. That's s- one of those afterlife blows. <laughs> <laughs> so the Menendez brothers' defense team was headed up by a woman named Leslie Abramson, as we said. Mm-hmm. And at the time of the trial, she had saved twelve people from death row, including a doctor who had strangled his eleven-year-old son and had cut him into over two hundred pieces. Well, the kid wanted to do too many after-school activities, and he yeah. wanted to like expand his abilities to get to all the different meetings. Well, the great. <laughs> The irony is that doctor actually wanted his son to grow up and own a Mr. Buffalo's, and the kid didn't want to do it. Yeah, see, this Abramson, she was a master at knocking witnesses off of their game. She could change moods from one sentence to the next. She was famous for making witnesses break down into mm-hmm. tears. Actually, the only person she couldn't shake during the whole trial... Dr. Ozeal, the therapist. He He's kept good. a hard line. He is really good. He was yeah. born to be a, a, a fucking witness on the stand. <laughs> In fact, she was the one that started screaming at him. He was like, I don't know. I wouldn't know about that. I'm only a therapist, and I deal with brains, not court <laughs> trials, Your Honor. That's right. Yeah, this woman, fantastic performer, also said to be highly entertaining at dinner parties. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. The, the tales she can tell about saving people who murder their children. She can also do that ping pong ball trick. <laughs> oh, with her pussy? <laughs> yeah. I actually saw that in real life one time in Florida, of course. How it, was it? Extremely impressive. Was it at the porthole? Uh, no, it was not the porthole. Uh, it was a, it was a bar. I was looking for a uh, oh. an exotic club. Oh, yes. Thank you. Yes. They, it's uh, very I was, classy. <laughs> I was directed to a bar next to the airport mm-hmm. and oh. that's where I went and it was ping pong pussy night. Was <laughs> it called like Zooms? <laughs> I, I really do forget the name. And she was she was remarkable. Uh, wow. She she had about maybe 15, 20 of them uh, total and it was uh, really about uh, maybe 15 feet. Was she, she, was she just popping them off into space or was it like a precision game? Well, it was a precision game and so she would hit the guys. <laughs> this bar was really gross. I'm Sorry to get off yes, topic. Yeah. Never mind. No, no, no. Yeah. Please. All the guys would sit around the bar, you know, and then she would kind of go uh, sit on the floor. It was really <laughs> greasy, as you can imagine. It wasn't the cleanest place. And then the guys would, uh, you know, like try to get hit by the ping pong. Oh, oh. Yes. <laughs> and you know, it's interesting that she had just come from China training their Olympic team members yes. for the table tennis. Yes, that's right. For, like that sport. Yes, that's amazing. Yeah. So. so Leslie's defense strategy was to paint the Menendez brothers 25 and 22 by the time the case went to trial as helpless young boys in the thrall of a pair of sadistic monsters. Like, for example, instead of suits, the brothers wore sweaters to court every day to try to make them look younger. They look Mm. like Stuart Smalley. (laughs) Yes, and they are good enough. Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try Every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha. Texas Pete sriracha sauce. 
Pops, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of chai. And it started off my day correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. So Leslie would also describe them as, quote, adorable and would treat them in this weird kind of maternal way. She'd rub their backs when they were upset. She'd pick lint off of their shirts. She'd adjust their collars. But most importantly, she never called them anything but the boys. So Lyle and Eric both had to stand up like I had to stand up in eighth grade when you pop an unwilling boner. Literally. And you have to like flip it underneath your belt uh, uh, your, uh, your belt, so you can stand up and not pop a tent. Or I'd go into the J.C. Penney's and my mom would come into the dressing room and pull me out and be like, is there enough room in the crotch? <laughs> and pull on the crotch of the pants and be like, oh, this isn't enough room. Oh, but you just got tiny down there. It's just tiny down there. You'd expect there to be more room in there. But I guess the top of it's bigger. It's your belly that's it's crowding it. <laughs> 
Yeah. It does sound kind of disturbing, but now that I think about it, my mother was very concerned about concerned. that. Mothers are concerned about the uh, about, about the uh, pants. She would I keep had pull- no idea what the two of you were talking about. Parents love their, their pant play. I think I'm that's parent- what they did instead of molesting us. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and besides just calling them the boys, uh, at every turn, she would refer to these two grown men Mm. in their 20s as these children. It's actually very interesting because you can see how this is where the cunning comes in. Mm -hmm. It's that they know that in order to make this lie work, in order to come and say that I've been molested literally since the age of five to the age of 19 years old, that the way I can sell this is by degradating myself so far to be a mewling, like a a child who can't remotely stand Mm -hmm. up for yourself. So they just know that as long as we embarrass the fuck out of ourselves, Mm. we will get away with murder. Mm. But I actually understand where the defense is coming from because when the crimes were committed, they were much younger. So they you do want to put them in that position. No, though, they don't said you? that they were getting molested up until the day. Yeah, they were getting molested up until days before the murder. So you're talking literally about a 19 year old man who is a semi professional tennis player, semi professional, but he's getting <laughs> fucked by his dad for against his will. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> you know what? We're going to say, I don't know. I, I, I actually don't, because that's what we talk about this. I do want to always always believe a victim who comes forward and says that they were they were molested, but we're going to build a case against the fact that they, they created these claims. It's a very strong case. Yes, and it, yeah. it's just hard because it's like you literally... D- d- you can't call them out for lying because then you're going to say so many people could be lying about it because the lie would just be so terrible. But that's how bad these fuckers were. Sure. Yeah, this is how horrible they were. And But Leslie Abramson, she even went, like, besides just degradating them, she even tried to paint them as heroes. This is what she said. I mean, you have these clients who are not criminals, but sympathetic, decent people who are in terrible trouble. And their so-called victims are nothing short of monsters who deserve to be stopped. Just because you're dead doesn't mean you're a victim, a saint. Hitler's dead, too. (laughs) Think about it. That's great. And that was also kind of a good Joan Rivers impression. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, she also managed to get the word sociopath banned from the trial completely, saying that it was a buzzword that would just confuse jurors. Oh, is that buzzword that perfectly describes their personalities? (laughs) Yes. That that buzzword? Can we change it to mewling pieces of shit? (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we not? We don't say murder. We'll just say caress their head with a bullet. (laughs) Well, yeah, actually, she did try to get the word murder banned. (laughs) she tried to get the word murder banned from a murder trial because that, because the whole thing was that uh, they were using the imminent danger defense in order yeah. to not be uh, held culpable in a murder in California. You had to prove that you were in. You felt as if your life was in an imminent, immediate danger. Th- imminent danger. They thought that the parents they had they got into a fight. They thought the parents walked into the TV room in order to load guns and to come out and to shoot them. That's literally what they said. And so they had to grab the shotgun. Mm. and murder them first. That's unbelievable. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it was a yeah, it, it, none of it made none of this makes sense. Absolutely none of it does. My father was the least dangerous you could find him in front of the television. Oh yeah, I mean every single couples in front of the television, specifically parents are just talking about the commercial they're they're watching right at that moment yeah. and really discussing if Tide is a better alternative. Yeah. What what Leslie Abramson was actually successful in keeping out of court was 
Billionaires Boys Club. The prosecution mm. wanted to do a full screen of the movie for the jurors, but the judge ruled it inadmissible. The only thing mm. that they could do was mention that there was a television program that had aired three weeks before the murder that may have had something to do with the murder. They had to keep it extremely vague. I feel bad for the creators of Billionaires Boys Club. Think you know? about the kind of traction that would have gotten have a lot that of film. It I really actually do want to watch this film now. As a I matter would. of fact, we should maybe Mystery Science 3000 it at some point. I would love for us to do a live showing of Billionaire Boys Club. If you want us to do a live showing of Billionaire <laughs> Boys Club, go on the Facebook group, go on Twitter, uh, and uh, yeah, tag us in and tell us, say, say if you wanted to see Billionaire Boys Club. And we'll dress in it. matching sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> no, the trial itself was actually two trials, as each brother was tried by a separate jury. This meant that if a witness was testifying about something that only pertained to Lyle, Eric's jury would be excluded and vice versa. Mm. And as I said earlier, every person involved in this trial is straight out of a bad TV movie. Craig, the screenwriting partner, he showed up on his day of testimony with two hot girls in miniskirts who wouldn't stop giggling. I kind of like Craig now. <laughs> Craig knows oh, what's man. up. It's about presentation. <laughs> it is. Yeah, and even the cops, they were just these buff and tan dudes. Uh, Dominique Dunn in his Van- Vanity Fair article said, quote, not a fatty on the force. But that's what my dad always <laughs> talked about. Is that with, with high-profile cases like this, they move good-looking cops to the front of the lines. My dad was a part of a big murder trial, and they didn't use him for the televised stuff because he looks the way he looks. What? Because the Sobrowskis are made for the screen. No, we're full of personality, but a lot of times cops also don't want a cop front and center who's full of personality. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. Wow, I like it. So there are a bunch of Charles Bronson looking people. Craig comes in like Ric Flair. I mean, this is really entertaining stuff. No, it's extremely entertaining, and this entire thing, you gotta remember, this entire trial from beginning to end was televised. It launched court TV. Well, the judge mm. apparently hesitated allowed one camera in the, in the in the courtroom, and it was put on court TV, and it was also completely done in the middle of Beverly Hills. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only thing people were talking about. Yeah. It's literally like it's it, it was fascinating. It was a fucking uh, people were showing. It was the yeah. it was the hottest show in town. This was a really interesting time for technology and for the uh, human experience, but especially when it comes to visualizing it through television. I mean, court uh, cameras in the courtroom. It's been hotly debated ever since. Mm-hmm. We talk about this with the O.J. Simpson when we yeah. covered O.J. Simpson. It's the same thing. It got a lot of my you know, all of these people became superstars. Like in that sketch with John Malkovich uh, is oh Rob and Rob Schneider. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. About the Menendez brothers on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as far as the extended Menendez family went, they were caught between saying that they had a violent, incestual rapist in their family and getting the money, or saying that Jose was innocent at all this and getting nothing. And in the Ooh. end... About an 80-20 split on the side of Molest. Yeah, because, you know, it's just so funny just how, like... Money changes people. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if, if you're having that conversation with your wife, you just had a kid, you're thinking about college, Jose is dead. I'm gonna say is this he going to know if we say he's a molester? I'm going to say this is an unmarried, uh, Just if I was just the cousin who's got nothing to lose and nowhere to go, oh, I, yeah. it's like, yeah, give me the money. Oh, I I'll walk say him. whatever you want. I'll be like, I'll say he sucked my dick. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying, I would have walked in the court backwards, gaping my ass and be like, he put it here. Yeah, and when one of the non-molesties talked to Lyle about this whole thing being a lie, about being a lie, <laughs> yeah, uh, she said that Lyle looked away and said in what was almost his father's voice, Well, that's the way it's going to be. Huh? I don't know what... Mambo number high. Again, he's Lubega's German. <laughs> and the most fucked up part about 
all of this is that the only time the boys applied the lessons their father taught them was when they blew him away. Mm. Like the time that the, the only time that they actually followed their father's advice, you know, to really take charge, take what you want, be a man, was when they killed him. In fact, Lyle talked about their father's emotional code. He made them memorize this and say this every morning that he would he would like do a weird sort of roll call in the morning yeah. where they would sit in the kitchen and he would quiz them about uh, uh, current events in history and then make them recite his his uh, morality code. I mean the sad thing is it sounds like this father was actually concerned about his kids. Yeah. You know, he did yeah, just to, in he the wanted, worst way possible. He just didn't really yeah. know like many immigrant fathers from places like Cuba, dare I say Germany. Uh, they're just a colder people yeah. and they've gone through a lot more and they just want their kids to be the perfect Americans. They have an ideal of what Americans should be. He was being a real tiger mom. He yeah. was a tiger right. mom. Well, this is uh, Lyle talking about the uh, emotional code. He uh, actually recited it from memory in court. This is how well he knew it. Today I will be master of my emotions. If I feel depressed, I will sing. If I feel sad, I will laugh. If I feel ill, I will double my labor. If I feel fear, I will plunge ahead. If I feel inferior, I will wear new garments. If I feel poverty, I will think of wealth to come. If I feel insignificant, I will remember my goals. I will be master of my emotions. If I feel horny, I will look at a picture of my grandmother taking a shit. That's a kind of a strange one there at the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the secret. I mean, really, I just pictured a kitty hanging on from a mountain cliff, from a mountainside, and that's a great. those are great messages. Actually, that's really good. I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah pull yourself up, fucker. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, the Menendez brothers' trial was a pretty controversial subject when it was going on. The whole country was split into pretty much three factions. Those were the brothers were never molested and they killed for money. They were molested but didn't have the right to kill their parents or they were molested and they did the right thing in murdering their parents. You're forgetting the fourth one which was one held by many women which is they are goopy boys making me goopy down there. <laughs> I do like that. Shits were horned up for these kids. Yeah. It's really strange because they just look like pieces of shit and they were dressed like little boys. Mm -hmm. Like they were dressed like they were dressed like children. They were talking about how they were getting fucked by their dad. But they fetishized themselves to many women who want to take care of them. Yeah. It was definitely well, I mean that was Leslie Abramson's whole plan was to make that make the entire country feel like they needed to protect them. Uh, and she was <sighs> a lot of times she was right. She did it. She pulled it off. Uh, now that last opinion that the uh, parents molested them, the parents deserved to die, that was spurred on by testimony that the brothers gave concerning the abuse themselves. And here is an excerpt of Eric describing what his father would do to him specifically, and I warn you, this is actually pretty graphic. Don't get horny for this. Don't get hard for this. <laughs> he would stick things in me as he was giving me oral sex, or at times he would just sit on the bed with his legs up uh, um, spread and with his back to the to the back of the bed and he would have me give him oral, me oral sex and he would stick the needles or the tacks into my thighs uh, as he was doing this he said called it he called it doing the cork board <laughs> terrible yeah. I mean this is even if it is made up if you are in that jury if you are in that courtroom just hearing someone even say that sentence is unnerving and yeah. it breaks your heart. And Leslie Abramson knew that. Yes. Yeah, she absolutely knew that. Uh, yeah, it sounds horrifying. It sounds fucked up. It also sounds like fairly believable. 
Yeah. But it is important to know that the defense team was advised by a lawyer named Paul Mones, who wrote the literal handbook on how to defend kids who murder their parents. A lot of the examples of abuse that Eric and Lyle gave, many of these situations were just slightly tweaked versions of stories that were contained in Paul's handbook. And in addition, a former cellmate of Lyle's said that Lyle read every book he could find on the sexual molestation of children during the trial. He did have mm. to borrow those books from a man who called himself Pee-wee, who liked to suck <laughs> yeah. his own penis. Pee-wee was very... Very double. He was very, very friendly. Very, very friendly. friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Lyle Lyle also told people that he knew that he was a better witness than Eric, that he knew exactly how to manipulate a jury, and he knew exactly which jurors had cried during Mm. his testimony. And that is true. Lyle was very, very effective. When you listen to him, when he has that emotional outburst about being molested by his father, it is very stirring. It's very hard. Mm -hmm. I sat down with Natalie and we watched it. She was like, she turned to me, she's like, are you sure that they were lying about this? And I was like, yes. Like yeah. that's he really played it up. Mm. It's just it it's you're gonna now see that's how good they were right. at this point. Yeah. You'd build himself up to a fever pitch, and yeah. it does put you in a very uncomfortable position. If you are the juror, do you want to f- defend a man who is uh, you know theoretically raping his kid? Yeah, I mean that's, that's a tough thing to yes. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's a guy got to be cut yeah. from the jury. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the testimony that they gave it only got weirder as the trial went on. See, Eric claimed that he had heard from some kids at school that if a dude ate cinnamon, it'd make a semen taste better. Hmm. So Eric said that he started putting cinnamon into his dad's coffee (laughs) every morning to make semen tastes better. But the thing is about that, you ever had cinnamon and like, say, just say mocha. Say mocha, yeah. you put a little bit of cinnamon. You know you're drinking cinnamon. Yeah, yeah, my semen say, tastes exactly the same. If I was forced Does to it? S- How do you know? If I was forced to suck a person's <laughs> cock on a regular basis, the last thing I would be thinking is like, how do I flavor it? How do I bust <laughs> this up? Yeah, I really want to like play. Dunkin' Donuts and I'm going to like turbo boost it. You have to, he's just like, dead. he's just like, He's just, and he's like, his daddy will like train him. He'll be like, give me a thumbs up right before you go. And then he puts a bunch of pop rocks in his mouth and then finishes it. Hey, dad, have you put, have you tried having pineapple today? Here, pineapple makes the sponge. Yes, you know I like it when I make my semen. It tastes like ice cream. <laughs> Why does he sound like an Italian plumber? <laughs> yeah, Eric also talked about how his father had, on a few occasions, lit candles and created a romantic atmosphere before molesting him, which makes oh. absolutely no sense whatsoever. If you've done even the tiniest bit of research on sexual molestation, particularly uh, fathers or mothers who molest their children. It's not about romance. Uh, it's not about love. It's about power. It's about, yeah. it's just, it's all about power. You ever fucking seen a lit candle? You ever see a lit fucking candle in a van? No. Yeah, you God, can't do no, it. No, because that's like, that just makes you a groovy dude who listens to Rush 24-7. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, actually, the story about lighting the candles, that's probably a bit of a half truth a person in Miami who knew the family said that Jose was so bothered by Eric's homosexuality that he had tried a Santeria ritual to try to cure him of it 
So he did the gayest thing possible? <laughs> Literally, he just dressed like a witch doctor and just like just did anything possible to make his son not suck at I, tennis. I think my son is gay. I'm going to put some glitter around, light some candles. But I honestly also think there's also a twisted thing. I think it was literally just because I don't think Eric's actually gay. I don't think that that, that was what that, that why he was mad. He was just <clears throat> bad at everything. Yeah. And Jose did not understand how I can't treat my children like little soldiers and they can't go out and work at something every single day until they become perfect at everything that they do. You know, just saying some people are just born with no ability to have skills. Yeah. They yeah. just can't do it. Um, I know he's a sociopath, but what, is that normal for a sociopath to be able to like look at the people who are being affected by what they're saying and register what that means? Like with the jury and them crying yes, and stuff like that. That's specifically a psychopathic trait. Yeah. And then you can go and you know that if you can fake emotions, you mm. know that you're going to get the societal reactions that you need to succeed. So you do understand that. Oh, absolutely. No, these guys, I mean, that is a textbook sociopath uh, reaction. Of course, I mean, that's, uh, that's actually one of the ways that you you can tell that someone is a sociopath if mm. they fuck up over and over and over again. And the only thing they do is try to garner pity back from you. You know, like, it's mm. like the guy that hits his wife and says, I just love you so much. You know, it's all about oh, garnering right. pity. So this whole thing is a sociopathic play. But mm. it doesn't mean you're like not unfit to it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you're not fit to stand trial it just means you understand you still understand your actions are right and wrong yeah you right. understand that you do right there are people that yeah. are sociopaths that don't kill anybody because they know in the end probably in some fucked up way if i kill somebody and go to jail it's a heck of a lot worse than if i don't that's oh exactly what it is most sociopaths yeah. don't kill because right. they not, they have nothing to gain from it right that's the whole thing the only thing that a sociopath everything that a sociopath does is to advance their own agenda whatever that means Maybe. And sure. especially if you go to take the one thing that they have in society, which is money and their status. And they saw their parents been like about to cut them off, and then so they kill them, and now they have to cover their fucking tracks no matter what the cost. Even yeah. if it means dressing up like a little boy and saying that you, you fucking try to make your father's calm taste better. Mm, <laughs> cinnamon day. Yeah. Monday is cinnamon day, don't forget. Yeah. And you know, these kids, their entire lives, there was never any sign of physical abuse, and definitely no sign of the particular particularly brutal abuse that Eric claimed his father had subjected him to. I well, mean, other than the intense tennis training and things like that, right? I mean, I'm talking the sexual abuse. Yeah. I'm talking anal rape of a nine-year-old. Yes. You're going to know. No, I'm serious. Is that the I'm, name of the, your, your first book? No. I'm talking anal rape of a nine-year-old. That's <laughs> 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 an intense sentence. It is. It is. Good, good God. But, you know, I feel like now, which is really fucked up, is now we got a new sign whether or not a kid is being molested or not if he's constantly begging his father to go to fancy see branches ah uh, yes <laughs> that's true yeah well the only corroborating evidence was a conversation that eric had supposedly had with one of his cousins when he was about 13 now of course this is another thing we don't know if this is actually true we don't know if the cousin was coached if the cousin is lying under oath regardless this is the uh testimony of that cousin he asked me if uh my dad ever gave me massages and did you understand at that point what he meant? No, I didn't. And do you recall basically what your response to him was? Well, uh, at that point, I got the feeling, uh, I'm sure he let me know this, but uh, he was actually trying to find out if any of these massages were normal. And I, my response to him was that I wouldn't know I didn't have a father around. My parents were divorced then. 
and uh, I really couldn't help him. Let me ask you this. He asked you whether your father gave you massages? That's right. Did you, you said he was trying to find out if it was normal. Was there something else he told you about the massages? Like where they were? Yes, he did. Okay. What did he say about where the massages were? Well, he told me his father was massaging his dick. Hey, uh, hey, uh, <laughs> hey, cousin, hey, cousin, hey, what's going on? Oh, yeah, man, hey, how I, are you, man? I'm I mean, Street yeah. Fighter 2 rules. Oh, right? so I'm fun, yeah. Hey, yeah, your yeah. dad ever massage your dick? No, what is that? <laughs> no, Street Fighter 2 is great, Street Fighter 2 is really good. I play with, what, Blanca. Yeah, Blanca. Blanca. yeah, man, it's yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, and but that also goes completely in contrary with everything that uh, Eric and Lyle had actually said, because they said all of their abuse testimony was them doing things to their father, and then now all of a sudden it's being turned around to where their father is doing things to him. Like, it just uh, none yeah. of this none of this makes sense absolutely not I mean, a single what? bit of it makes sense it is strange it's a strange conversation for a 13 year old to have with his other cousin though isn't it yeah it, it's mean, a, why w- it's a weird one yeah you but know, on the other hand, we don't know if the conversation ever actually happened. Don't know if it happened because yeah. literally oh, they're trying this, to make money that's right yeah. okay so yeah, you don't cousin, know and yeah. that's what's fucked up and also think about this right the prosecution came out and laid out their case saying that they killed their parents in order to get money. It took them three weeks to do it, and they went blap, and they just, they, they were like, and this is, it's solid, book them. This comes as a complete surprise after they've already done their whole case. Defense takes mm-hmm. over the court case, right? This now is over six months of talking about them getting raped by their father. Yeah. Right. And so they're just pounding these people. Not yeah. to be, not like Jose did to the children. Yeah. Possibly. But they yeah. are really, did not good, do to they did not do the children. But the, they are literally, the, the prosecution is like, Taken aback by what is now taken over this yeah. circus that just well, rolls in. Not only that, but the prosecution is not. I mean, they're thinking that they're in the clear. The thing, like, God, of course this is bullshit. The prosecution right. had a psychological witness in their back pocket that could have come in and dispelled all of this shit. Mm-hmm. But they didn't even think that it was necessary. I mean, they were like, Nah, these guys aren't fooling anybody. It seems to me they did what OJ did. They just made they put the LAPD on trial, and it looks like they put Jose on trial, oh, and he's did. a corpse. Exactly so he can't really help himself. Yeah, too basically, much. A, a person that can't speak for themselves becomes becomes the center yeah. of their whole defense. And yeah. even if he would have lived, he still wouldn't have had like much of a mouth. <laughs> got it out there. Sad. Bad. Bad for him. Yes. <laughs> no, no. It's yes. Guess we got to throw out all this gum. <laughs> no, no need for it now. Like I said earlier, this whole thing, it's a TV movie. It even had a dramatic, climactic gotcha moment. This is Eric being questioned about the trip to buy the shotguns in which the brothers had claimed that they had tried to buy handguns, but when they were told there would be a 15-day waiting period, they opted for shotguns instead. This is the prosecution cross-examining Eric. Now... You're telling the truth about everything uh, in this case, aren't you? I'm telling the truth to to the best that I can. Okay. And uh, even though you've lied in the past, you're telling the truth now, aren't you? Yes, I am. Did you truly go to the Santa Monica Big Five store on the morning of August 18th to buy these handguns? Definitely. Without a doubt, I did. You and Lyle did? Yes. And you and Lyle actually looked in this case and you selected these guns and you were told you couldn't leave the store with those handguns because there's a 15-day wait? Yes. Mr. 
Mr. Menendez, did you know that Big Five stopped carrying handguns in March of 1986? No, I don't know that. Uh, no. Mr. Yeah. there were guns there, and we did look at them, and he did say we could not carry them anymore. Oh my God, that's where I wish like Pitbull, the DJ, would have showed up and just yeah. been like, bah, 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 that is that if you're that lawyer you're just like this is fucking beautiful yeah, you can kind of feel the cuban come out of here because you you know he made as soon as he said he's like you know they did not sell the uh, handguns after march 1986 and for a second he was about to go oh <laughs> he can't, he didn't yeah, want to show true. that they were getting to him yeah. yeah no it seems pretty obvious to us in hindsight like it pretty much always does in our episodes. These guys were lying about almost everything. Seemed obvious to the prosecution as well, who, like I said earlier, mm. didn't even bother to bring in their expert witness. But the performance of Lyle and Eric Menendez was good enough to deadlock both of their juries on the charges of first-degree murder, causing the judge to declare a mistrial in both. And those that voted... Mm. For murder, we're in the minority. Hmm. Only three of them on Lyle's side and five on Eric's held out to send him to the gas chamber. The strangest thing is, theoretically, one could have been found guilty and one innocent. Yeah. Yes. I mean, for the same crime. Well, yeah. I honestly think Strange. that was a part of it because Eric and Lyle stopped talking to each other during this trial. And I think a lot of it was is that if they had to pick and choose who was going to get the heavier punishment, it was going to be Lyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he was the aggressor. He was the one that had planned the whole thing. And so with the second trial, though, everything changed because they were completely... Completely, the prosecution was taken aback by right. the uh, the sexual molestation allegations, mm-hmm. and so they didn't know how to handle it. So now they now they know like well now we know how to so, talk about this and and disprove all of that. So right. after the mistrial, they've been in jail now for what two, three, three and a half years, six, six years. After the mistrial, do you walk out of the courtroom? Are you uh, free to go? No, absolutely no. not. Yeah, yeah. When a mistrial is declared, that just means they have to do it again. Yes, and, yeah. but but the prosecution does have the um, opportunity to not. I suppose. Uh, I suppose. I'm not sure. I actually don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I would think... I ain't, I'm not a lawyer. Yeah. Are you not a lawyer? No, I barely graduated high school and college. <laughs> <laughs> I got yeah. a BA in theater. Not bad. That does nothing. It's good. <laughs> You'll do great on the witness stand. <laughs> what? Well, the second trial, much different than the first. First of all, the brothers are tried together in front of a single jury. Second... The judge learned his lesson and allowed no TV cameras cameras in the courtroom whatsoever. Mm. But most importantly, the judge used a legal footnote in a recent at the time Supreme Court decision to bar the self-defense argument from the court, saying it didn't apply because it was the brothers, not the parents who initiated the final physical confrontation. Without the sexual abuse storyline to lean on, the defense collapsed. And on March 20th, after four days of deliberation, Lyle and Eric Menendez were convicted convicted of two counts of first-degree murder as well as conspiracy to commit murder. Both Mm -hmm. were sentenced to life without parole. Lyle currently works as a janitor in a prison near Tehachapi, while Eric is a groundskeeper at a prison outside of Sacramento. They're about to get the People vs. OJ treatment in an upcoming NBC miniseries as well. They've both been married. Lyle twice. God, they've been married twice! Well, Lyle's been married twice, but we'll cover those relationships on our upcoming Women Who Love Men Who Kill episode. As far as to how the brothers are doing in prison, their aunt said, quote, People hate them. <laughs> People hate them? I can't believe it. Uh, this is why you should oh, never talk to a janitor or a groundskeeper. Never, never talk to them. Never get close to them. No, I was friends with my janitor in high school. No, I was too. We had Janitor Bob. His, his office smelled just 
just like tobacco. It yeah. was great. Yeah, my, ours was named Joe Freddy. Yeah, Joe that, that's horrifying. Fre- Joe, yeah. he had two first names. Yeah, Joe Freddy. Joe hmm. Freddy. Also, also sounds like he might work at a place called Mr. Buffalo's. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, what, a, what a great uh, story, man. Yeah, that's the Menendez brothers. That, that was insane. I mean, this was what? ingrained in us uh, as children. This mm-hmm. was a huge story. I mean, this is this all happened when we were about five years old. That's when the murder actually happened. Mm-hmm. So by the time the trial came around at about like 92, this is when we were really first starting to pay attention to the news. And it was also when we really started to hate our parents. So I mean, they were I, extremely uncomfortable. I remember this being pounded in our head. I remember yep. them because it was the big ones, right? It was Menendez Brothers. Um, you got Nancy Kerrigan mm-hmm. and yep. Tanya Harding. Oh, yeah. And then you had Lorena Bobbitt. Yeah. That's right. Lorena the- Bobbitt's a good story we should cover too. Yeah. She chopped out to chop that penis off and now he is a fucking born star. Yeah, Franken penis. You know what? I think we just covered it. That's pretty <laughs> much the whole story. There's yeah, not a lot to yeah, that that's one. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, Lorena Bobbitt's pretty good. <laughs> Cut and dry. Yep. Little, that's good. We'll give you the cliff notes. The guy was beating her. He cut her cock off. He cut a, he, she cut his cock off, threw it in the woods Yeah, as she yeah. was driving, which is a funny thing to throw out your window. It is a but funny anyway, thing. You know what? We are slowly turning into the satanic version of wait, wait, don't tell me. The more we do these verbal puns. Um, but yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. So I want to thank, uh, of course, thank everybody that uh, gives to our Patreon every single month. Like I said, last week, we just had 10000 dollars uh oh this money is so fucking useful to us it's so helpful you really changed our lives here if mm-hmm. you want to give uh go to patreon.com slash last podcast on the left uh yeah. there are definitely there are rewards for every single level if you guys out there we got to apologize if you're out there and you've been waiting for a t-shirt we had uh one of our t-shirt guys uh got sick uh so we've been having a transition time between people we promise we'll get to you very very soon thank you so much for being patient on this yeah uh but we'll have your t-shirts out to you uh, extremely soon. And he got need- butt flu. <laughs> he did get that. Is- yes, butt flu. If yeah. you do need a motivation to donate to the Patreon, um, we're just a couple thousand dollars away from me quitting Fox News. Yeah. Um, please and help so- him quit because please. literally it's a... you. It is... It is horrible over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I also want to say uh, to uh, to our uh, teacher guy who got sick, uh, get well, Jose. Yes, thank Feel you. Feel better. For oh, Jose, unfortunate name for this episode. Unfortunate. Yes. He's probably <laughs> felt real weird after uh, during oh. these last two episodes. Yes. Well, but, you're you're a yeah. good Jose. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're not one of the bad Jose's. Yeah, not one of the bad ones. Oh, and we also uh, want to thank everybody uh, who bought tickets on the first day oh for our upcoming Seattle and Portland shows, guys. If you haven't gotten tickets to that yet we can tell from the first day sales this is going to sell out both of these shows are absolutely going to sell out and we've been having so much fun in the live shows you got to you got to do it man it's so much fun everybody getting together everybody's a maniac yeah um we get a lot we hang out for a long time everybody gets drunk and it's a lot of fun yeah go to cavecomedyradio.com slash live uh to get tickets to those shows as well as tickets to our washington dc show coming up on october 29th can't wait we're going to be performing with weird al which will be a dream come true also thank you guys so much for watching the adult Swim live stream. Yeah. Yes, please um, keep checking it out. It's going to yeah. be every Friday, 7.30 p.m. EST. It's on the uh, the fucking adultswim.com slash stream slash last stream on the left. Uh, please check it out. We, those live yes. numbers really help us. And call in. We're getting better at the calls. Yeah, much better. And you guys are getting better at the calls. Yeah, yeah you are, you guys got to get Man. better at the calls. That stoner no, dude was so rad. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he was very stoned. I love all the weird calls. And we were debating, like, asking questions that might solicit better answers. But I think we're... We're just going to keep on asking what the hell you're calling for. Yes, exactly. And just remember, when you go to sleep tonight, ask yourself, 
how much money would it take for you to have sex with your father? That's <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? And for Lyle Menendez, $14 million. That's what it turns out. We, we also want to thank Jesse Gold. Yes, we want to thank Jesse Gold for uh, making uh, the uh, last uh, podcast on the left live uh, video intro. Uh, you're fucking great, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, and we'll be thanking him on the, the live stream as well. Yes. Oh, we'll be thanking him all right. Yeah, yeah, what does that course. mean? What are you going to do to him? Nothing. Sounds I'm going to light some candles first. And then we're going to play the corkboard game. That's <laughs> extremely nefarious and disgusting. Um, and thanks for supporting all the shows here on Cave Comedy Radio. Abe Lincoln's Top After Politics. Roundtable of Gentlemen. Good Drunken Fun. Page 7. Sex and Other Human Activities. Uh, the Lucky Bone Show. Yeah. Go to Mixcloud.com slash Marcus Parks. Uh, I'm going to be putting out a new episode soon. The last couple of weeks have been fucking insane over here. So I haven't been able to put one out. But I hope to put one out this week. And yep. follow us on Twitter. I am at Henry Loves You. And I am at Ben Kissel at Marcus Parks is at Marcus Parks for all things social media. I'm Ben Kissel one on Instagram. I am at Dr. Fantasy on Instagram. At Marcus Parks on Instagram. And you can follow Last Podcast on the Left on Twitter and Instagram at LP on the Left. Yes. And uh, exciting t-shirt news, we will be getting shirts for all the shows. Yeah. yeah. Very, so, very soon. Great. Yeah, very soon. Our so whole you don't have to be nude anymore, you yeah. fucking perverts. <laughs> <laughs> or you yeah. can be. Yeah, our whole t-shirt system is about to get completely automated, so we're going to be able to do t-shirts for all the Cave Comedy Radio shows. We're going to be doing some real weird shit with Last Podcast on the Left. We're going to be bringing back old t-shirt designs uh, that were limited edition in the past. We're going to be having a, a whole bunch of real cool shit is going to be happening. Yeah. And remember, guys, the reason why we're able to do all this cool shit is because you gave to our Patreon. Uh, because you gave. Because you gave. You gave. And the more the more you guys give, the more cool shit that we can continue doing for you guys. Yes. I mean, this is so fucking great. You're making this this amazing macabre shit our lives, which is what we've always wanted. We're going to do a big yeah. shaving party where everybody <laughs> shaves each other. Is that right? Yeah. We'll call it the Lyle Menendez mm. party. <laughs> um, hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gain. Hail me. Me, please and may gustillation fuck <laughs> what is a cuck a, cu- <laughs> a cuck yeah what is a cuck i think it's a guy who likes to watch uh, men have sex with his wife yeah. is that what it is that's yeah. what it is but yeah. he likes it so it's not bad yeah he He's- likes it but sometimes you know he gets like halfway through and realizes that he really doesn't like it yeah because yeah. it seems like they're really rough with his wife yeah. it's also like an insult that some males who like pretend to be alpha males on twitter which by definition if you are violently tweeting you just look like a dumb nancy drew yeah uh, in real life um they they call people like uh fake conservatives they'll call them cucks oh interesting yeah which if fake conservatives I thought it means was like you're a, not racist i thought it was like a chicken thing no, they did, that is actually the original cuck, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Or is it a cluck? Oh, speaking <laughs> of fucking idiots. Speaking of, uh, speaking of animals, my first two names on the shout-out list today are animal-related, Marcus. What oh. are they? Bunny Anderson hey. and Ooh. Joel Fish. I know Bunny hey. Anderson. She's from Atlanta. Isn't that fun? Hail Satan. Bunny and Joel. Um, uh, let's see here. I also got Ellie Brown. Thank you so much, Ellie. Ellie! Ellie. She lives in Portland. She's going to come see our show in yeah. Portland. Oh, awesome. Yes. I can't wait for Portland. Yes, Ellie, I'm going to see you soon. <laughs> that's, that's yes, geez. and then you'll pay for it, won't you? Stay away from the show. Pay for what? I don't know what he's talking about, Marcus. Uh, we got this guy, Dylan Worley. He's a great guy. He sounds like he's a fun person. Kyle Babin, Sophia Frost, Laura Kelly, David Young, and Fresky. Fresky? Yeah, Fresky. I mean, should I read the whole list now? Or I, you you got to say another couple of names. Yeah. Seamus Stimson. Hello. Simon Woolley. What's going on, bro? Simon Woolley. How's hey. the UK? Still fucking backwards? We'll see Simon Woolley in uh, the United Kingdom, of course. Simon's yes. one of our favorites. Yes. Timu Milamaki. Alice Herman. Shane Bagwell. Nicholas Egnew. Sam Jacobs. 
Allison Mahoney. Les McGinnis, what's going on, bro? Hey. Troy, what up, Brash? Olivia McRae, hi. Hail Satan. And Ben. I gave $5. Are you giving money to yourself? Yeah. Got John Lopez, Ryan Glashine, Joe Richter, Joe Stanton, Andrew Parker. www.seedandspark/studio/crypto. Hillary Harris, Tony, Cole Callahan, Brioni Ward, Adam Roberts. I gotta say, I got the coolest fucking names on the face of the planet uh, this week. Mike Hellbound Hathaway. Very fun. Uh, Ingrid, my middle name. That's her last name is my middle name. So that's probably a funny joke, but I thought I get it. I wonder what it is. (laughs) What is your middle name? Ingrid. I don't know. know. She's funny, though. Okay. Uh, The Moon Shoots. So that sounds like something you have after a bad breakfast. (laughs) Andrew Russell. Austin McNamara. Thank you for Nom. (laughs) Jill Skinner. (laughs) And Old Dirty D-Bone. Yeah. (laughs) Kimberly Buonotuarta. I fucked that up. (laughs) <laughs> Is that any better? I don't know. Gray Rogers, Josh Center, Miss Amelia Superhero, Hail Satan to you, I know you, Taylor Martin, Marwan Abu Jaude, Hail Satan, Hails Fuller, Michael Tromov, Hail Satan, Brian Maul, Gavion Peters, Jennifer, Devin Seth, Lou Bronchard, Jason Chapa. All right. Mark Alonge, Daniel Walker, Matthew Swan, L. Housie, Riley Hinchel, Leela Shayak, Ollie Ryan, Andrew Maiman, Andy Hutchings. All right, I got Ashley Pillow. That's kind of a fun place to put your head at night. <laughs> Michelle Durleth, Lee Griffiths, Hannah Warren, Alistair. Ooh, scary. Alistair. Kevin Childers, Shelby Robertson, Matt Back. Matt Back, were you by any chance a high school wrestler for Aquinas? Okay, answer me back. Did you guys have sex with each other? (laughs) I didn't have sex with Matt Back a couple of times. (laughs) Brian Hawk, Jared Chavez. Melissa, Rob Deal. What is the deal with Rob Deal? You're such a dick. I am going to commit suicide. Oh, suicide, good. Norman Pineda, Cooper Wilhelm. Dick Forge. That's not a name. Yeah, it is. I Dick mean, it is Forge. technically. Yeah. It's like whatever it is. Wow. Dan- Daniel Platt. Danielle Marlin. I know you very well. I'm really happy you're going to come to the Seattle show. Mm. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. I can't wait. We're gonna, let's get drunk at each other. I know you like jizzies. You're fucking because you, you're fucking stealing for Jackie. And Mike, the cherry. Henry, what was the name of uh, the the guy with the name Dick that we talked about on the round table of gentlemen? Mm. So drunk for all of those. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember, I remember if the, we ever the, did the that. Dick Bunch, not, not oh. Dick Bunch. Ronnie Dice. Ronnie Dice. He's a fun guy. Uh, <laughs> I'll scissor you to death. <laughs> I got Liz Ainsley, Adam Latuze, Emily Johns. Christopher Codina, Drunken Brad, Jeremy Hansen. Hey, Jeremy, you're around a lot. David and Demelza, Allison Webb, Michael, George O'Connor, Daniel Ruff, Neil Grimes, Holland Reigns, and Julian Malte. Julian Malte! Go fuck yourself! No, leave her. I love her. 
Brian Hawk, Jared Chavez. Is Jared? I think you said that twice. Did you said both of those twice. Did I say it? Yep. Oh, yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. Let's see. Matt Beck. Shall I'm reading the list upside down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Sarah S. Adam Crilly. Jennifer McIntosh. Uh, Leslie Gray, Megan Byrne, Nora Walensky, Christine Balkin, and Jesse Irene. Thank you guys so much. And last but not least, we got Bryce Klusek, Evan Maurer, Dwayne Owens, Lucinda Bokeman. Oh, Lucinda Bokeman was here. Joe Harvey, Kaylee Williamson. Claude Wilson, our favorite oh, yeah. kid in all the universe. What a good little boy he is. What a tight, <laughs> tight, good little boy. I don't know about all He's no, a great kid. No, Kaylee, we also know, she came to our show in Los Angeles, and she is lovely. Hey, oh, Kaylee. Awesome. Uh, Kyle Rupert, Megan Locapo, she's around a lot, Christian Earnshaw, Cred, Kate McGranigan, hmm. Bill Williams, Susie May, Empire of Dreams. Weird. Oh. Eric Postlewaite. Ah, uh, yes. What's going on, bro? He's from Baltimore. Shelby Moe. Aaron Atchison. Martin. Martin! Martin! That's great. The Conversationalist Podcast. Sarah Class. Derek Devereaux-Smith. Yeah, yeah. What's going on, bro? Hey, bro. And Andres. Andres! Cool. Well, I hope all of you are fertile. Mm-hmm. I hope all of you uh, make love this evening. Eat a um, sugary snack just for fun. Something cute. Break that that diet. Yeah. Have a cheat day. Cheat day. Um, and I hope that you don't die. Soon. Well, we all will. Yes, that's true. Not thank soon. You. Not soon. Thank no, you. we have long, beautiful lives ahead of us. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Ah, hail game. Hail me. You bitches. Magoostalations. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction, and it's... A daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today. 
to get 10% off your first month. That's better help. H-E-L-P dot com slash last pod.